Well, we're going to press further on subjects that I know probably no one here needs, but you know somebody who does need it, and that's the topic of self-control and self-mastery. And we looked at self-mastery last week. Self-mastery, self-control, self-discipline, whatever you like to call that, that's, that's fine. Uh, self-mastery was getting a grip on oneself. That was an actual definition of the, of the word for that, to get a grip on oneself. And um, we discovered that we probably have some more self-control and self-mastery than we realize. There's a lot of things in your life that you have good self-control on. But you know this, the thing that you don't have self-control in is the thing that's so glaring. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't think about all the things that, are, that you really have good self-discipline. You think about the things that you need help on. And so God's going to help us. And we saw last week that you have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all the virtues that you need. God's already blessed us uh, with spiritual blessings. We have everything we need. This, this is what the Bible says. You have everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. And so you say, I need some more self-discipline, some more self-control. We all do. The, the virtues that are listed, we looked at last week in 2 Peter 1, no one says I've arrived. I mean, it listed goodness as, a, as one of the virtues. Has anyone ever said, I'm as good as I can ever be? You know, I, I mean, I don't think anybody could be better than this. Or I'm as godly as I could ever be. Or I'm as loving as I could ever be. I'm as compassionate. We're all, we all growing. So we're all growing. And so no one feels like I have all the self-control and all the self-mastery I could ever have. But we're growing. And so the scripture says if we, if we take these, these virtues that we have, if we're, if we're believers, if we're Christians, and if you're not today, I encourage you to give your life to the Lord today. But as believers, we have the Holy Spirit. All those virtues are in him. And... Now we're just to grow in them and increase in them. So we see all throughout the word, Galatians 5, probably the best, that the fruit of the Spirit is, and it lists nine of them, and one of them is self-control. So you have self-control. Now you may need to get it out and dust it off a little bit, but you have self-control. Now I just looked out here and saw birthday boy Matthew. Hi, Matthew. His birthday was yesterday, right? Yesterday. Happy birthday to you. That was not part of my sermon, but I just wanted to say that. Um, I, my twins... And Darlene had a little something to do with that. But uh, mine and Darlene's twins, today's their birthday. And, uh, like, they're ancient, man. I don't know how old they are, but they, I, I lost track. It's been so long ago. So happy birthday to Mitch and Cress, which I'm sure are both watching online right now and, and so excited to hear Dad preach. And, you know, yeah, thank you. Don't crush. You know, I'd say preachers have little fantasies that you just want to encourage them in. So, so happy birthday to them. And anybody else that had a birthday, happy birthday to you. So we're going to grow in this, this concept and this virtue of self-mastery and self-control. So let's, uh, let's look at a scripture here, good anchor verse in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. I'm amazed at how sports crazy the world is and has always been. You will find when you read Paul, Paul writes a lot and gives a lot of sports analogies because he knew that would connect with the people. Jesus often gave agricultural analogies because he was dealing with, with farmers and, and livestock people. And, and here Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, Every athlete exercises what? In what? All things. They do it, do what? Exercise self-control to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable, I added this because that's the best, best way to say it, 
an imperishable crown. God likes words. He uses words that give us visual images. Back in the day, you know, if you were uh, an Olympic athlete all the way back in these days, and there was games going on like that in the day that the Bible was written, there were games, uh, Olympic-style games. And if you were like the best of the best, you didn't get a, a metal crown or a gold or a silver or bronze, you would get a wreath and it made out of landscaping, okay? You got some kind, of, some kind of plant on top of your head and they put it on there and ah, there is your reward. And you worked so hard, disciplined yourself in so many ways to win that perishable wreath. But you and I, we're going to discipline ourselves in all things because we got a, a crown, uh, an imperishable crown. Now, this is not earning salvation. Jesus did that for us. That's, that's a free gift from God. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But it is a gift from God. But there's crowns that apparently we receive, and there's just flat obedience we should want to walk in as we glorify God with our lives. So here... We're going to get an imperishable crown, a crown that never fades away. So Paul said, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. I can't help, I always look at this and I just remember, you know, our brother Larry Schreier, uh, the King James says, I buffet my body. I never forgot that he said one time, I used to be confused about that. I thought it said, I buffet my body. And so, no, it's, so I, I buffet my body. And so this translation, the English Standard Version, is I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. By the way, he's not saying, I'll lose my salvation. He's basically saying, I'm not going to tell you to do all this and me not do it. I'm going to practice what I preach. And any rewards that we might receive from God, I don't want to disqualify myself from them by not doing what I'm supposed to do. Again, are we all with this? I'm not talking about earning salvation. I'm not talking about being good enough to go to heaven or impressing God so we can earn heaven. We're talking about the rewards of the Lord. And so today we're going to talk about self-control in all things. Now we want our, ma- our self-mastery, our self-control, our self-discipline to be God-centered not man-centered, meaning that, that let's say you're really good at self-control, really good at self-discipline, and, and most, again, I think we're better than what we, th- what we think we are, but most people aren't like incredibly self-controlled and self-disciplined in and of themselves, but even if we were, then we would bring glory to ourselves, and we're supposed to bring glory to God. We, even last week we looked at that, what's the, the whole purpose and final goal of every human being to glorify God and enjoy him forever that's that's our goal and so we want our our self-discipline to be very Jesus-centered and very God-centered and it gives us an opportunity to testify somebody may ask you why do you you seem so self-disciplined in this area or that area how is that and you can say hey it's not me trust me it is the Lord the Lord help me and you just we just need to make we are, we are called, this is a scripture, to make his name glorious. We're to make his name, glorious means big. We're to make his name big. And so when we start living a genuine Christian lifestyle, and we start having the Holy Spirit help us, you know, shape our lives and mold our lives to the glory of God, it just keeps bringing more glory. They will see our good deeds, our good works, our good lifestyle, and they'll glorify God 
on the day he visits us. So it's about glorifying God. So this whole idea of self-mastery, self-discipline, there's God's instruction for self-control reveals at least two truths. When you look at this, you say, hey, there's at least two truths that are revealed. And the first one is, is that there's the presence of something within us that needs to be restrained. If you can get the back one working for me, do it. If you can't, that's okay. No big deal. Uh, The presence of something within us needs to be restrained or controlled. In other words, when God says, hey, you need to exercise self-control, that's a sign there's something that needs controlled. There's something that needs restrained. God doesn't say, you know, exercise this gift that I put in you by the Holy Spirit if we don't need it, right? So there's something that needs to be restrained. But the second truth is this. There's something in us that we can tap. There's something within us that can help us be self-controlled or can help us restrain that thing. So another truth is God doesn't say do something and then says I'm going to give you no ability to do it. So if God challenges us to be self-controlled, if he challenges us to have self-mastery, then he's saying I have placed something in you that can make this happen. So you and I, we have things in our lives that need to be restrained, need to be controlled. And you and I, as believers, have what it takes to obey God to be self-controlled or restrained in those areas. So, when we talk about self-control, it usually pertains to negative things. Because we don't try to restrain virtues. You know what I mean? Nobody says, man, I I just, I need some self-control. I am way too much like Jesus. I mean, I need to really watch this. I am too loving, I'm too kind, I'm too compassionate, I'm too generous, I'm, I need help. No, we never try to restrain virtues. We try to restrain and control negative things, sins, fleshly desires, overindulgences. That's where the fight is. And in fact, uh, Hebrews tells us that, that we should lay aside every sin. And I think I always, the Bible is just fascinating. We should lay aside every sin and every weight that does so easily beset us or entangle us or ensnare us. So there are some things that aren't maybe necessarily sin, but they're weights. They're holding you down. They're, 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 they're hurting the, the program. For instance, if you were a marathon runner, there's nothing sinful, probably nothing against the rules, that you can wear your work boots to run that marathon if you want to. Not a good idea because it's not the best thing for that task. So it becomes a weight, but nothing sinful or wrong about it. And so we need to watch those things. What's holding me back that I need to lay aside or have some more moderation in that the Lord can help me with? So there's this, there's this fight that goes on in our spiritual life. This is not heaven yet, okay? So there is still a fight that goes on. The scripture shows us that in Hebrews 12.4, it says, in your struggle against sin... You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Hasn't killed you yet. So in your your fight, your wrestle, your struggle against sin. And then Timothy, the first part of uh, chapter 6, verse 12, says, fight the good, fight of faith. And if you've been at this thing for over a week, you realize there's a fight. There's, There's a struggle that goes on. See, everything around this world is going against the flow. Eh, Everything's probably too too broad, but so much of this world and its system and its thought process is going against you if you have a genuine Christian worldview. 
If you have a genuine Christian heart to go after Jesus, you will find there's many, many things in our culture, and always has been, this isn't a a new time, always has been, that resists that forward momentum in the Lord. And so there's a fight going on. So we're supposed to fight this good fight of faith. But the good news is we have resources in Jesus. And so in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to how many people? All people. It, the it there is the grace of God. So we could read it like this. The grace of God teaches us to say what? No to ungodliness and worldly passions and to say yes to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So that's a a struggle that goes on. And, And a lot of times, too, maybe you've come to know Jesus Uh, in the last few years, and and you had 20, 30 years of developing bad habits and worldly habits and worldly passions and worldly desires and sinful desires, and now it's like, ah, it feels like you're having a fight. The reason it feels like that is because you are. You are having a fight. That's okay. It's a good sign you're a believer, because guess what? You didn't used to have a fight. You used to float down anything in the world, anything in your flesh, and anything you desire to do. But now you're resisting that, you're pushing against that, which is a sign of the new birth in you, that you're a new creation, because now that thing seems wrong to you. Seems wrong to you. Many, many years ago, uh, a lady came to know Jesus Christ in our church, and she was a brand new believer, and she had lived pretty much a partying lifestyle. So she came in the following week after being born again, and she told me, she said, oh, Tracy, I feel horrible, I feel awful. I said, what? And she said, I got invited to a party, and so I thought, I'll go to that party and share Jesus with all my partying friends. Before the party was over, I was drunk and, uh, you know, in bad shape. And she said, I feel horrible. And I said, that's great. And she was a little confused, like, did you not just hear me? I just went and got drunk and had a wild weekend. I said, let me tell you why it's great. First of all, not that you went and got drunk and all that. It's great because two weeks ago, used to go live like that, and you'd brag about it at work on Monday morning, about what a wild, crazy, awesome weekend that was. But today, something's changed in you. To do that and live like that cut against the grain of the new creation in you. And so, you know, not encouraging you to go do that again. I'm just saying that's a sign of the new birth. Something's different in you that did not want to live that way again. And so it's a growth process. We grow. And so make some room in the people in your lives who are, who are growing and just getting started. You may have been at this thing for 40 years, you know. They may be four days into it. Give them a little grace and, you know, encourage them and help them grow in the things of God. So God's grace teaches. God's grace enables. God's grace empowers. God's grace is not an excuse to just live like the devil. Rather, it's an empowering to not live like the devil because of the grace of God. So we think about this fight, this war that goes on. It reminds me of the parallels, and God intended these parallels in the, in the Old Testament. The Bible says these stories, they're historical and true. See, it's the one thing about the scriptures. They're not fairy tales. If you've ever read a fairy tale, they usually begin with once upon a time. If you go read stories in the Bible, it'll just, I mean, you read the Gospels, it'll talk about history. A couple of the Gospels start out with the genealogy of Jesus. Why are they doing that? Because this is history. This is a real story. This isn't once upon a time. This is a real story. 
And so these real Bible stories are examples for us. That's what the scripture says, that they're examples for us. And so we see the children of Israel, if you remember the story, they were in, in Egypt, and it all started out well, but then it went south. And then they're slaves to Pharaoh, and then Moses comes in to deliver the people. It doesn't look like it's going too well at first, but God's got a plan. And he delivers the children of Israel from Egypt. It's a type of salvation. And they are free from the bondage of Pharaoh, the devil, all that. And the whole story could play out more, but that's not my point for today. But they go to this promised land, and they have to, they have to conquer this thing. It's given to them, but there's a fight ahead. And there's parallels about that in the kingdom of God in our lives. Now, now remember, I want to make this plain. The, although we write songs about the promised land and heaven, and we connect them together where we think they're the same place, they're very different places. The promised land was literally a place on planet Earth, and they had to go in and take care of giants in the land, and fortified cities, and pagan entities, and all kinds of things. It's, that's not what heaven's like. And you need to say, thank the Lord for that, because you, know, you don't want to get to heaven and go, I've got to conquer Jericho, and I've got to fight these giants, and I've got to do all this. No, that, that, that's not heaven. But the promised land was a land given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the Israelites. I mean, the, the world wants to argue over all that. And I get if you don't have a Christian worldview, you don't understand the scripture, you don't believe the Bible. But if you do believe the Bible, it's very plain. In Deuteronomy 1.8, it says this, See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So the land is theirs, given by God's. You say, well, how, how's that happen? Because, listen, to, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and all who dwell therein. So he has the right to give his earth to whomever he wants, and he gave that. So he made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, thus the promised land that the Israelites inhabit. So, but they had to fight to possess it. Did you notice that? There's always some kind of fight that they had to, to push forward and possess the land. There's always some kind of fight in our life, and it's not against people, but there's always some kind of spiritual fight that we have to keep pressing forward to win. I don't want you to get discouraged. I also do not want you to be um, scared of the devil or what he might do. Uh, he's defeated. Uh, he knows that. He's hoping you don't ever figure that out. That's really his desire is that you never figure that out. So you need to figure that out. He's defeated. Uh, Jesus soundly, totally, completely defeated him. Didn't even defeat Didn't just defeat him. Said he made a, an open shame show and mockery of him. And so that's how totally defeated he is. And so we need to understand we come from a place of victory. We live in a place of victory. But there's still battles to fight. So let's fight the battles. Do so, you know, courageously and might as well put a smile on our face and fight the battles and keep moving forward. So God's grace is enabling us. God's grace is empowering us. God's grace is making it possible to win. So I want to look at this Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. It, it shows us that a fight is still going on. I heard someone say one time, and I think they're intelligent enough if they really were challenged properly, they would go, okay, I need to rethink that. They said, there's no such thing as spiritual battles. 
They said there's no such thing because Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Well, after Jesus was on the cross and after he rose from the dead, after he ascended into the glory, a guy who was trained by the resurrected Jesus writes these words in Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the plots, the plans of the devil. I don't know about you, but it sounds like there's some spiritual battle going on. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against people, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I don't know about you, but again, would you all agree, according to the Bible, there's some warfare going on. I want you to be confident. I want you, I want you not to be scared of the devil. I really, I, I don't even know if this is true, but I love the story, and I've probably repeated it a hundred times, so let's make it 101. Smith Wigglesworth supposedly had the devil appear in his room, and he sensed an evil presence, and he woke up, and there was a manifestation of Satan in the room. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think the story's awesome. I don't know that Smith Wigglesworth was a liar, so I actually assume it's true. And he looked up and saw the devil and said, oh, it's just you, and rolled over and went back to sleep. I thought, that's exactly what we ought to do. That's exactly what we ought to do. Oh, it's just you, uh, a, a defeated, shamed foe of Jesus, my big brother. And uh, yeah, we're all good, so I'll just go back to sleep. So there is this battle going on. And then it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, comma, to stand. What do I do after I've done everything? Stand. Yeah, but I feel, I, I, I get it. I've felt everything you feel. I have all those emotions too, but you just stand. You just stand. You have the whole armor of God on. You resist the devil and you stand. Now, there was a guy named Keith Green. Don't know if any of you remember Keith Green back 70s, 80s. Uh, Keith Green has a really interesting testimony. Keith Green had decided he was going to pursue truth and pursue joy and pursue life. And he wanted to find out what would bring the most life. And so he actually made a list. I heard him share this testimony. He made this list of everything he could pursue to really live life. But to be fair, he put Christianity on there last on the list because he knew he would never get down to the last thing on the list. So he tried everything. And if you can imagine, you know, the 60s, the 70s, he tried everything. And um, nothing lasted for long. Nothing satisfied for long. And he finally got down to the dreaded Christianity, the last thing on the list. And so he genuinely turned to Christ and man changed his life lived for him the rest of his life till he died. He actually died in an airplane crash at a young age. And he pursued Jesus. Well, he had this track. I know we don't see these as much anymore, but little papers, like there'd be a trifold. You'd open up and it'd be some topic. And I never forgot this one. This is probably from the 80s. The verses we just read, I think, were New King James. And, but the King James says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He took that verse and he said, 
I think a lot of us Christians say we wrestle not and put a period there. We wrestle not. He said we Christians need to wrestle. We need to fight. We need to, we need to go for it. We need to be courageous. And don't put a comma or a period there. There's a whole sentence. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality and power. There is a fight. There is a wrestling. There is a struggle. Don't just sit back and not fight. I want to encourage us today, let's fight. Let's fight. Y'all, maybe for clarity, not among one another. Not among, because you might think, praise God, I'm going to give it to him at work tomorrow. Oh, no, not at, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, not against people, but against principalities, powers, rulers of wickedness in the heavenly realm. It, it's, it's a spiritual battle that's going on, not a physical battle. So we need to fight. We need to wrestle. We need to, we need to stretch. We need to strain. We need to push. We need to pull. We need to do what we need to do. And so I want to encourage all of us, myself included, let's step out of complacency. Let's step out of laziness. Let's step out of just, well, I don't think there's anything I can do. I've been struggling against this for, for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Oh, yes, there is. There's always something. You, you can fight. You can fight. You can move forward and say, hold it. I have the whole armor of God. I have the power of God. I have the victory of God. I don't have to take, you know, no for an answer. I can move forward. I can move forward to a yes. The promises of God are yes and amen. And so I encourage you, go ahead and go for it. Maybe you've got to dust off your armor. Maybe you've got to say, I'm going to get back in the fray. I'm going to get back in the battle. Get back in the battle. Well, what if I lose? What if you do? You get up and dust yourself off because Jesus won the war. And so you're going to keep moving forward, and you're going to get better and better and better. When we close this service today, we're going to quote some verses about us being victorious over enemies. And I, I want to say this right now. It's not enemies at work. It's not enemies at school. It's not enemies in your home. It's enemies, spiritual enemies, and our own issues that we need to deal with. We can be victorious over them in Jesus' name. So here's our week's focus. We're going to pray. We're going to call upon God for his self-control that's in us. His self-control is in us. And we are going to pray and we're going to ask God, help me because I know I have the right stuff in me. Then what we're going to do is we're going to act. We're going to, we talked about this last week too. We're going to put faith to work. We're going to believe that our prayers matter and then we're going to step forward. Now, I shared this with you one time before. Here's a good example about what not to do. It just stands out in my mind because my oldest son, Sean, and I were watching TV. He was in for the weekend. We're sitting there watching TV, and, and I don't know what we're watching, you know, TV. And so I, I said, son, do you ever look at the TV and just say to yourself, what a colossal waste of time. Do you ever look at the TV and say, I have a real life I'm not living while I sit here on the couch and I watch these make-believe lives and that aren't real. And you, you know, you see an action movie, I'm telling you, real life, the action star would be dead in four minutes. You know what I mean? But they just keep surviving and keep doing all this. And, and so I, I said, do you ever feel like that? I said, oh man, I feel like that all the time. And I'm not joking, it's sad, but we sat there and watched TV for two, three more hours. You know, so it was just... That TV's sucking our life. Yeah, let's just keep on watching it. So, 
there is such a thing as, and by the way, there is a time to relax. There's a time to watch some wholesome TV. There's, there's nothing wrong, wrong with that. But a, it could become a weight. You know what I mean? That it's, it's, and of course, there's trashy, awful stuff to watch on there, too, that you don't need to be watching. But what we should do is say, you ever feel like that's a colossal waste of time? Yes, I do. And then shut the thing off. Get up and go do something. You know, do anything but, but that. So once you have prayed, then act on it. Do something that shows, I'm going to put some faith to action here, like James said. And then the third thing is let's fight. Let's get back in the fight. Let's get back and say, I'm not, I'm not standing for this anymore. I'm, not, I'm going to keep fighting. I want to say it again before we pray. There is a good chance that you won't win every time. I'm not trying to discourage you. But just get up and dust yourself off and go on. Just like I've used the example for the last few weeks. If you want to have a quiet time with the Lord every day, and last year you had five, and you said every day, but you get to the end of the year and you feel all discouraged because you only had a quiet time with God 275 times, well, that's a whole lot more than the half a dozen times you had last year. It may not have been perfect. You didn't get 365, but you made a whole lot of progress. And so you just keep fighting, just keep moving forward, just keep making progress. And you know what? Our God's so gracious to us. He cheers us on. He's a good dad. He, he's, he's got our backs. He's pushing us forward. So let's cooperate with God, fight. So you know what? I'm going to put some of this self-control, some of this self-mastery. It's in me by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put it to work in my life. So let's pray together.